Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number six of Finding Extraordinary. When they call us, um, when anyone in society calls us, that's possibly the worst day of their life. And uh, we get to jump into that moment um, numerous times throughout the day. I mean, literally the other day I ran 22 calls. Wow. So 22 times someone was having possibly the worst day of their life that day alone in just that town. So it's happening all around us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We get to dive into that moment and bring them out of it. Wow. So we get to pull you out of the muck, hopefully, and help get you on your way again. You know, it's like pulling a baby horse out of mud. And, you know, I'm like, all right, buddy. (laughs) We got you. Start walking. Like, go live that full life. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get stuck in that pattern and forget, like, you know, people are still learning to walk after that. Um, They're still getting back on their feet, but they're able to. And, uh, yeah. That was Sean Percy Travis. He is an L.A. County firefighter and an absolutely extraordinary human being. In this episode, we talk about so many different things. First of all, we talk about travel. We talk about going to a location that you don't really know about and having that making you truly uncomfortable. And that will allow you to break through your own walls, see something new, and perhaps give you a whole new perspective on life. Then we get into extemporaneous trip planning. For those of you who travel, or if you don't travel, this is definitely something you want to hear. Then we talked about being a firefighter, adaptation, and intention. Sean talks about his mentors. We give a big shout out to Tony Robbins. We talk about the Dead Sea and the Red Sea. Sean has an incredible analogy for this. Um, Sean also talks about the correct way of breathing. Then we talk about his favorite books, being in an actual fire. Okay, this is literally my favorite part of the podcast because the way Sean describes this, it's so intense. So he was right smack in the middle of the Woolsey Fire, which literally burned over almost over 97,000 acres of land and also uh, prompted the evacuation of more than 295,000 people. And Sean was right in the middle of this. You do not want to miss this. We talk about how to truly connect, ground yourself, and go for what you want. Also, Sean is working on a program for first responders. It's called Functional Hero. You definitely want to hear about this. And I am asking you to please support Sean in his efforts for developing this program and making it launch. All right, guys, let's get this started. The truth is, no one is born extraordinary, but everyone has extraordinary inside of them. It just has to be found. Welcome back to Finding Extraordinary. I am your host, Seth Markson. Each and every episode will deliver an exciting guest or message that will expand your mind and provide insight that will help unlock the secrets to finding 
your extraordinary. Thank you for spending some time with me. Let's get it started. Sean, how's it going, man? Very good. Awesome. awesome. Chai tea latte, baby. Oh, perfect. It. <laughs> yep, yep. And I've got my Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. You're not a sponsor yet. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but you're coming. Shameless plug. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're, are you a California native? I am, yeah. Born and raised Thousand Oaks, which is just north of LA. Okay. And what was growing up in California like for you? Uh, a dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had everything at our disposal. Um, I mean, looking back on it now, I know that, but I think during then I was just trying to figure out, you know, as every kid is like what our place in the world is, but yeah, man, you can snowboard, surf and bowl in the same day, which we did a couple of times. It's exhausting, (laughs) but you could do it. (laughs) It's incredible. Um, yeah. And then you're so close to LA, but not part of it where we were. So you're out of the hustle bustle, but, um, you know, if, one of the one of the biggest things that I loved is that anything that you wanted to get into, you had some of the world's best around you. Yeah. Like sports. Oh, you have a bunch of pro athletes here that are going to help you. Uh, mm-hmm. Cooking. Oh, you have a bunch of the world's best chefs over here that are going <laughs> to, you know, you could just like dive into anything. So, yeah, very blessed. That's incredible. Yeah. And you, it sounds like you took advantage of all of what it had to offer. I hope so, man. You know, we always think we could do a little bit more when we look back, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I hope, man. Still trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of your hobbies, you know, if you check out your Instagram, you, you travel all over the world, mm-hmm. uh, you snowboard, you you just get after life. Yeah. Heck yeah. What are your what are your favorite things to do? Favorite things to do? Well, travel. Absolutely. Um, more so, I, I have two different types of vacations. I call it bikini vacay and adventure vacay. <laughs> There's bikini vacay where you're going to like sip on some Mai Tais, like get some R&R, you're looking forward to a nap by some form of body of water and you're in your bathing suit, right? Mm -hmm. You're not really like thinking, man, I'm going to stress out and exert some energy. And then there's adventure vacays where it's like interlock in Switzerland and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go cannoneering and risk my life and literally be told by some South African that's been here for six months that, oh, you might die, but uh, just give it a shot. All right, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yep, I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> just jump over here you'll yeah. be fine right yeah exactly <laughs> so uh between those two types of travel i'd say adventure is my favorite we all need the r&r but uh i like the adventure because you're diving in a different culture so you're going to get out of your comfort zone um you know i'm not going to uh walk through morocco and think man i'm just thinking of a place to like chill and have a a beer. I'm going to go and like, wow, what is this? Like the Medina about what is, you know, Fez Morocco about like, Oh, I got (laughs) to see it. Like, Oh my God, I can ride a camel to the ocean. Uh, Let's do it. Like, you know, I'm going to have tagine with my hands and roll little balls of food and flick them in my, like, what, what is going on? You know, (laughs) this sounds like, like a, like a Wednesday that you had in Morocco. Yeah. That's literally a true story. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah, there was a moment where, um, we, me and another buddy that I work with went out to meet a friend of ours that had at the time was in the Peace Corps there. And, and he's like, come out for a couple of weeks. I'll show you around. I know the language now, which is not an easy language to learn. Um, I think it's Arabic or whatever. It's something that as soon as I hear it, I blank out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, just blank stare to this corner. <laughs> no idea what's going on, but one of those languages that never heard, you know, much of. And, uh, so he was tour guiding us and he's like, what do you guys want to do today? We literally see these camels 
with guys with surfboards. <laughs> what? <laughs> and we're like, can we go do that? <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the photos or videos of a lot of this trip because we ended up getting mugged and most of our stuff got stolen, which is kind of a cool story, but it sucks at the same time. Well, this is the adventure. Yes, trip, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't happen on, on bikini trip. Yes, no, that is not bikini vacation. That better not happen on bikini. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, so we at one point were on camels carrying our surfboards to some very epic waves, which Morocco is known for surfing, which I didn't know that until I went. Wow, uh, I yeah, that that's never been mentioned to me either. Right? Yeah, I think like Casablanca or something like yeah, you know, our old Medina, which is like the old cities, like so they build their new cities around like a really old city, and so you'll you'll be walking through like these ancient, ancient like think Aladdin, you yeah. know what I mean? You'll be walking through that, and then you turn left, and there's a government building. You're like, wow, where am I? Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very strange. That's but. super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, what made you want to travel? Why Why do you have that urge to go and do it? Um, I would say that started real young. Uh, my family always liked traveling, um, but I didn't fall in love with it yet. I think the first time I actually fell in love with it was, uh, 14, 15, we were doing, I was, I grew up in a, uh, Christian household where we did, um, you know, very like non-judgmental, non-denomination, but like, you know, we followed, uh, a very hip church. And one of the things that they loved doing is sending us on like service trips. And it was like an excuse to go explore somewhere, like actually dive into a culture, possibly help someone, possibly get help by them. I mean, most of the time you come back from those and you realize like, man, I feel like I got changed more than I did anything, you know? Yeah. But um, one of them was to Russia. And never in my life did I think, oh, I really want to go to Russia. So I thought, I should probably go. <laughs> like, like, Only why, makes sense. Yeah. Why not? Like, let's literally, like, turn that page, like, overturn yeah. that leave, whatever you want to call it. Like, let's just go check it out. And I had a couple of buddies, uh, some of my closest friends, we all decided to go. And it was such an out-of-world experience um, that seriously uncomfortable at times. Like, think wow. the hungriest, most tired um, I remember sitting down at a table and there was a bowl of sugar and we were so hungry and tired. This is going to sound gross, but it was great at the time. I literally took the spoon and took a spoonful of white cane sugar and just plopped it in my mouth twice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, it's better. I'm like, I feel like I'm coming back to life. Oh my God, man. But it was just long travel days of getting into like the depths of Russia. Um, there was like this 15 hour train ride that we had to take. And we all got dispersed. And so, you know, you're a 15-year-old um, in a random compartment that has four beds. And there's nine of us in there, mm -hmm. nine people. And I'm the only one that I know. I don't know any of the other eight. And it's his family. And so I, like, try to, like, curl up in a ball up in a corner and just get some sleep. And I wake up. They had, like, started cooking with God knows what, like, devices they had. But they had it because, you know, they figured it out. And it's this, like, family. And they just start offering me food. And I'm like, this is rad. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course I'll eat this stranger's very strange food. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm, like, in this train, like, waking up. And, like, this old grandma figure is, like, literally handing me tea and food. And I'm like, I'm home. <laughs> 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 What's happening right now? 
Yeah. So I think that trip and then being able to like dive in and, um, we dove into some neighborhoods and like did some stuff where we like rebuilt some things and just like reached out to the community and just like connected with people. A lot of, you know, a lot of broken people all over the world that just honestly, they just want to be heard mm-hmm. and let them know like, Hey, you're not alone. Like, even though we're on the other side of the world, like we go through the same things and we're here for you. And anytime you need to talk, whatever, right. Just get off their chest kind of thing and let them know, you know, God or whatever higher power they believe in, like loves them and actually wants them to, you know, have a great life, you know, so don't ever feel like you're being, um, put down, you know, in that whole negative mindset that can just overtake us. And so just through those relationships, um, yeah, met some amazing people literally traded the shirts off our backs with some of the guys as like a parting gift. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Still have that in my closet. Everyone signed each other's shirts and like, you know, but. And this happened when you were 15? 15. Wow. Yep. And so after that, I, I got a taste of what it really is like to, you know, I had the, the blanket or the bubble of being with a service group, but just actually being able to dive into a culture and do something so obtuse and out of the norm, um, that you're not really going to find on like a travel package. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just what it actually means to like be truly uncomfortable to like break through your own walls and then see something new and light and bright. That's going to like change your perspective on life. That's, that's incredible. Now, yeah. was that your first, <clears throat> was that your first introduction to really providing service to others? Uh, at that level. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I'd done some trips where you go down to like border towns in Mexico to help you know, build schools and homes and stuff like that. Um, and so that was after that was, I'd done one before. So it's like, okay. It was like a a baby, you know, kind of like quick one, two day trip, come back and you know, you're like, all right, I feel cool. did some, but you don't really like get to know people. Like that trip was 21 days. Mm -hmm. So we were there. Like, (laughs) you know, you're, you're literally, you know, you have, you're there enough time to get homesick and then get over being homesick. Yeah. And then you're there, (laughs) you know? So yeah, it was a very different experience and actually, um, yeah, growing up in kind of a sheltered area, um, you know, a bubble area where they, you know, we like to refer to, um, definitely got me out of the comfort zone and let me see like, Hey, that life is not about the bubble, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's about how far you can dive deep and, um, into the adventure of life and helping others and seeing that as like kind of the purpose. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I, in, in terms of travel and, and leaving your bubble or comfort zone, mm-hmm. I always see that there's two ways of thinking and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's the person who thinks, wow, I am so excited to look into a different culture and learn everything that I can about it and just go explore. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other way of thinking, uh, that's not safe. That's not what I know. That's not anything that I've ever been to. And I've heard that it can be dangerous, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that person, the latter, misses out on so much. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, even when I was growing up, I I didn't travel outside of the, the U.S. until I think I was in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I lived 90 miles away from the Mexican border. So... Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, it, it was... It, I'll tell you what. I dated a girl who was from Mexico... And she was like super into travel, mm-hmm. super into travel. And I was not at the time. And I like couldn't understand her. I was like, why, why would you want to go and visit all these other places? Like the U S mm-hmm. is awesome, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, then I did a study abroad 
and I lived outside of the country. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool. Yeah. Cultures yeah, outside yeah. of ours. Uh, not saying that American culture is bad, but uh, cultures outside of ours are also great. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's it, it's it's just the coolest thing being placed into this uh, area or city or, or country that you just don't know too much about and learning all about it through the people mm-hmm. learning about it organically not through things that you see on cnn or fox or mm-hmm. or any of those places or even in books but like being there mm-hmm. it's just it, it's the best experience in life in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah yeah not only are you getting the view of the other cultures and comparing it back to your american lifestyle a lot of the things that i noticed too is it makes me realize how good we have it with a lot of things oh totally. that i've complained about nonstop, like traffic do you realize how good our roads are? Yeah. Like, do you realize, like, if a car gets in an accident, it gets moved over and traffic keeps flowing? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen some places. Mm-mm. Car gets in an accident, it blocks it. You just don't go anymore. You're just like, all right, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. I'm not going today. All right. I'm going to. Or even, or even uh, driving or walking on the sidewalk. <clears throat> There, I've sidewalks. Been, I've been to countries where like <laughs> sidewalks aren't sidewalks. Those yeah. are also roadways. Yeah, you know, we little have sidewalks. Little yeah. tuk-tuks or the motorbikes are just gonna flip up on the uh, on the sidewalk, <laughs> and you know, like you got to watch watch for your life. Yeah, if you're if you're walking in Bali, if you're walking in Thailand, um, Cambodia, mm-hmm. it's it's all over there. Yeah, you know, pedestrian does not have the right of way. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's a pedestrian? Yeah, get out of my way. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So, you know, th- those are just a couple of my viewpoints on, on traveling, you know, and it's, yeah. it's really cool to sit down with someone who I think appreciates traveling as much as I do. Yeah, I hope so, man. Yeah. It is, it's one special thing. Well, you've got, yeah. a, you've got a trip coming up. You were just, we were talking about it off air. You're going mm-hmm. to Switzerland, uh, Paris. Paris and Switzerland, and then possibly Germany in there, but it's two weeks, so we'll see. I don't want to pack too much into it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, flying to Paris and then Switzerland. So there's another, here, here's another question I have mm-hmm. for you. When you are setting up these trips, mm-hmm. are they scheduled out, I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm going here, I'm going here, or do you kind of leave some ambiguous, uh, ambiguousness in? Nice. Say Thank you. Five times fast. Yeah. Ambiguousness. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, do you leave room for the, kind of like the unknown? The ambiguity? Yes. Yes, I definitely do. Um, I call it the the word I like to use just because it sounds fancy is extemporaneous. I learned it in speech <laughs> class. It's where you kind of create awesome. an outline. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, when you're giving a speech, people can either memorize it and just talk off the cuff or they're sitting there staring at like bullet points or literally word for word. And then extemporaneous is the middle ground. It's like just having a bullet point outline and you're just referring to it and then talking off the cuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like slightly planned, but slightly organic. And that's my favorite way to do it just cause it kind of gives you a, like a direction, but at any time and at all times you can veer off said direction and go where the trip takes you. Cause dude, how are you supposed to plan that? You're supposed to plan somewhere you don't know. Right. Like you can't, you're just like, you're on trip advisor and reading like every Viago, whatever, like just every, little post that someone that you have no idea who they are, but you're like, man, I'm hopefully going to trust their advice and like, go here. Okay. Like it has enough stars. Like, okay. Apparently stars are good. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So definitely uh, a little bit of both. It's nice to have direction. You don't want to just sit there and flounder, right? Structure provides room for freedom. But once I get there, yeah. Kind of 
two days here. Now let's spend five, you know, one of those or see that's that's really cool. I, I wish I didn't agree with you. Yeah. So so we could have some back and forth on this, but that's that's how I go about doing my <clears throat> international trips all yeah. the time. You know. Um, I just took my girlfriend on her first international trip mm-hmm. and oh my god, every other day, okay, what are we doing? Do do or like literally three weeks before we left. She's like, do we have every day planned out? Mm-hmm. Are we are we going to be okay? You know, what are we going to be doing on the seventh day of our trip? And I was mm-hmm. like, don't worry about it. We got this. It's going to yeah. be fine. Yep. And I swear to you, after we got back, she's like, I'm never doing a trip differently than how we did it. Yeah. She's She yeah. loved having the extemporaneous Boom. schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Ambiguity. Yes. Ambiguousness. Ambiguousness. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so... It sounds like for you, uh, you were introduced to a pretty awesome culture shock, you know, when, when you were young, which isn't, that was a shock. Yeah. It's not, it's not (laughs) the experience that a lot of people get. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like we were talking about a a lot of people are very sheltered in our culture and they're not, they're not pushed to go and see other things. So I Mm -hmm. I think that's really, that's, that's really cool. Uh, that you got to do that, especially mm-hmm. at a young age. And I think that that might have pushed you to do what you're doing now. Yeah. Right? Oh, I think so, for sure. I mean, yeah. talk talk about how or why you wanted to, be, to become a firefighter. Um, why I want to become a firefighter. <clears throat> um, so, went to college. um playing baseball and was also pre-med. So, uh, I wasn't ambitious at all, apparently, but, um, yeah, I was trying to just burn myself out at every possible end. And, uh, uh, my dad and a lot of my cousins, a lot of my uncles and aunts are doctors, right. And, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of military family that also became doctors and a very awesome family too. That's a whole other conversation very impressive salt of the earth kind of people. Um, but so I go to, I go to college, um, you know, you're 18 trying to figure out what you want to do in this world. And you also think, you know, Oh, I love that. You know, <laughs> talk to a 20 year old and like, man, they know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I had a couple people thwap me up on the side of the head, uh, as I needed it and just remind me like humility is king. And, um, you know, see the adventure as it comes right and so i wanted to play baseball as long as i thought and then uh do pre-med and then go be a doctor once baseball was done that was like my my goal my dream Mm -hmm. i had no idea at the time though what it means to play pro ball or what it means to go to medical school like i just you don't know you realize like if you go to medical school you can pretty much kiss your 20s goodbye yeah right did you know that though going into college like no um so it's an all-in endeavor, and I absolutely praise those that do that. And then same with baseball. There is not – there's no time in the day to go do, you, those guys get like two weeks off. And likelihood, you'll be in the minors for years just getting bussed around in different towns, which could be a blast, but if that's all you ever wanted to do. And I started to hear this um, common theme, right? If you don't know uh, where the direction of your life is going, look at people that are on the same path and start asking questions right? Mm-hmm. See someone five years, 10 years down the road and be like, Hey, uh, is this where I want to be? Or just honestly do a self-assessment. Do I want to be like that? 
Do I want to have that lifestyle? Um, <clears throat> so I started asking buddies of mine that were older uh, in baseball. I was like, hey, man, you know, what is this for you? Do you like it? Do you love it? Is it good? Is it bad? Yada, yada. And started asking everyone that I could, like cousins, uncles, uh, friends that were doctors, you know, what is this? Like, do you like it? Do you love it? You know, would you do it all over again? And they all had their own spiel. But what it came down to was this common theme is unless there's anything else you want to do in this world. Like if this is it, dude, if you wake up and you live, breathe and die medicine, do it. But if there's anything else, dude, go do that because it's going to drive you nuts. Mm -hmm. Same with baseball. That's exactly what they said. It will drive you mad, dude, because you're not going to have time. You're not going to have attention span. This will be it. And it was very disheartening at the time because I'm like, I love being active. I love being an athlete. I love being physically like challenged. I also love intellect, being mentally challenged. I love serving. I love like, that's why medicine drew me in so much. And I was learning more and more about the fire department coincidentally at that time. And in LA, I don't know how it is most of the country, but in LA, if you become a firefighter or Southern California and a few other cities, uh, major metropolitan, metropolis, uh, yeah. Words, words, words. books, <laughs> reads, yeah. um, they, uh, they certify and qualify their firemen like to the precipice. I didn't know that. Right. When I thought firefighter, I thought, oh, these guys are on a fire engine. They go put out fires. But if there's not fires, they're just hanging out. It's like, no, dude, you are as a fireman, firefighter, PC, um, lots of rad chicks out there. But uh, <laughs> if you're a firefighter, you are the medical professional. You are the first responder to anything. Dude, think if you have an issue in this town, who do you call? 911. Mm -hmm. Who shows up? Firefighters. Exactly. And cops. And Thank cops. You. Gotta love those guys. They get a bad rep. Man, they see everything. Um, yeah, so you're getting, depending on what your scenario is, but you're literally getting those guys at everything, which means you need to be a solution mitigator for everything. And it took the, I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I started to talk to firemen asking the same question, like, hey, uh, why is it that you do this? Like, do you like it? Do you love it? Would you do it all over again? And after talking to doctors, ballplayers, and firemen, I got doctors, you know, if there's anything else you want to do in this life, go do it. Otherwise, this is it. If there's anything else you want to go do in this life besides sports, is like, go do it. Otherwise, this is it. Firemen is like, dude, you are crazy if you don't want to do this job. Best job in the world. And it's like, that's what you want to hear, right? Yeah. You know, from people that knew me and kind of like knew my... Like, I like to be a jack of all trades, not just like, like honed in on one. And then like, dude, you're going to love this gig. You're going to have the medical background of paramedicine, right? So we're paramedics in the field. So that is a lot of medical authority that we're given in the field. Um, a lot more than I think what people are aware. Um, and then you have the athletic team aspect, which you're on a crew. So nothing that I do is me. It's us. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot take credit for anything that I've done on my job because there was literally a team of anywhere from five to 50 of us working at that same task at that given moment. Like if you put a house fire out and pull someone out, like someone might have that person on their shoulder, but there's literally 50 people there making that happen. Mm -hmm. Like mitigating it, putting the fire out, putting like ventilating, getting like exposures out, making sure no one else is injured, making sure like search and rescue teams are going in and out, making sure those guys are covered, make sure we all have water, like make sure like the hydraulics are correct. Like everything happened so that that one guy could get up on that ladder and his team 
brought the ladder. So, you know what I mean? It's like this full team aspect of everything happening, everything coming up to it. So long story short, why did I want to become a firefighter in, in the, you know, young kid's eye of a 20 year old, it started to, um, it started to gain traction because it was a mix of medicine, a mix of sports. And it was allowed me to like live a life of serving, serving, to be honest. And, uh, you know, it's not a, a glorious job, meaning it's, you know, there's a lot of muck that we have to go through, but it definitely pays off. You know, mm-hmm. you are able to give in a way that like you go home at the end of your shift, which is in the morning. Everyone says at the end of the day, but we actually go all the way to morning, right? 24 yeah. hours. Um, yeah, you go home and uh, you literally feel exhausted in like the best kind of way. You know, I gave. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I, I think that answers. <laughs> yeah. No, that was, yeah. that was awesome. I mean, now I want to become a fireman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know becoming, becoming a fireman is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. There, there are a ton of people that you're going against. Yeah. Right? Like, well, not going against, but you know, you're quote unquote competing yeah. to get a spot. I think there was so, 18,000 applicants for the 120 spots that I got hired on. Yeah. So yeah. what separated you? Ooh, man. <clears throat> um, I think a lot of my colleagues and I have similar stories, meaning, um, you just didn't give up. Um, it's not like, so I work with LA County. It's not like I applied to LA County, got on and that was it. It's not your, your typical job application where you throw it in, you have an interview and two weeks later you find out, uh, or even a month or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a long process. Um, it took two and a half years from application to finding out I got a job with the same application process. Mm -hmm. So they've expedited it a little bit where it's about a year eight months to a year. But yeah, if you want to become a firefighter, you need all these prereqs, all these prequalifications. And then you got to go through the whole process. I think at the time it was like a nine step process, but again, they might've like mitigated it down a little bit more, but you just start honestly checking boxes. One, make sure you want to do it right out, you know, go to ride alongs, which if you're interested, you can go to your neighbor fire station, set up ride alongs. You can do that. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, anyone can do that. Um, you know, or find a friend or something that will like set you up and they'll, they'll figure out. So you can go out start to see the, like the system, the day to day. But what set me apart, <clears throat> I think is one, the drive never quit. Um, you know, once you put your mind to something, uh, two, I just started checking off boxes of requirements. Like they need an EMT. They want a certain amount of education. They want like service oriented. So they wanted like all these different things, uh, signs of leadership, signs of, uh, creativity, um, that you're diving in the community, uh, that you're, you've shown, I mean, you can pick up the six core values that we have and like, just literally start just like piecing together. All right. This is obviously what they're looking for. So mm-hmm. I need to, sh- I need to show that in my life. What so, are the six core values? Uh, integrity, teamwork, community, caring, courage, and commitment. Cool. Yep. They made us yell it every morning in the Academy. So yep, we'll be up there forever. <laughs> but yeah, so you start, um, just, doing things in your life or making sure that you express those. Um, one of the weirdest things about, uh, the interview process is you take a written exam, which, you know, study your butt off for, get the highest, you know, echelon, we call it bands. Mm -hmm. So you get the band one. And then from the band, then you go to go to the interview. And the weirdest thing is they're going to ask you very general open-ended questions. Like, 
tell me about a time you had to adapt. That's it. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I ran out of toothpaste this morning, and uh, so I went with mouthwash. Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, uh, no, dude. They're looking for, like, a very structured, like, interview question-to-answer process where the weird part is, one, like, you better have done your prep. Like, go into fire stations, ask guys advice. Like, go to the fire interview websites. Go to the classes. Like, they're going to tell you. You find out, okay, with that kind of guy, that kind of question – um, I need to answer it with a really cool story. So mm-hmm. tell me about a time I had to adapt. Okay. I have this cool story and it expresses adaptation and also picks up their interest. So like for me, I think the one that I used was tell me about a time you had to adapt. And I started talking about this story where I was a leader on a high school ministry trip, ministry trip. Uh, we were at a houseboating trip where there's like 300 kids, right? And you have 20 houseboats and each houseboat has like two to three liters on it. And I was one of the leaders and, uh, me and my boat, we all decided to go for a hike and it's off in the desert, Lake Mead. If you're familiar, it's outside of Las Vegas. So very desert mountains, you know, not a lot of, um, markers or you know visual cues like you start Mm -hmm. going hiking up in the mountains all of a sudden you turn left and right and you're like everything looks the same oh man and so tell me about a time you had to adapt so i'm sitting there i'm 20-ish years old 21 22 and i'm leading like a bunch of 15 year olds out into the mountains of the desert we're having this like rad hike and uh you know talking about like you know getting off the grid and like what it does is be out of distraction and everyone's really having like a deep, like bonding time and men bond over physical activity very often. So, you know, it's a great way to get your boat, like getting to know each other and you're all hiking, you're all telling stories and it gets people breaking off the walls and like, just telling like who they are and like, you know, how they're diving deep and how they're feeling like God affect their experience and how they're growing. And we're in the middle of this and I realize we are, getting lost (laughs) i can't see the lake i can't see i'm just like literally in like keep calm keep calm it's me and like 10 kids and uh as a joke i was like hey just curious if any one of you were to point back to the lake which way would you point and dude everyone pointed different directions like nice all right let's keep hiking it's kind of weird huh (laughs) oh god (laughs) so i'm thinking like let's get to higher ground maybe we'll figure it out but i didn't my whole goal is let's not alarm these kids. Let's not freak them out. Let's keep the focus on um, what we're actually going through right now because there's a lot of good combo happening. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized I could see the planes going to Vegas. And I could see the direction they were going in. And I remember looking down when I was coming in the plane, thinking, oh, there's Lake Mead over there. Or like, you know, you're kind of like looking at a map or like figuring out like, oh, there's this and this and this. So I knew they were going a certain direction. So I knew based off of that, I all of a sudden got my compass and I was like, boom. All right. There's a lake. That is so cool. <laughs> we're going that way. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we made it back. No, no stress, no harm, no foul. And, um, yeah. So I told that story and I, and then you have to answer the question, right? Time you had to adapt. So my adaptation was this one, figuring out how to keep cool, calm and collected, especially in a leadership perspective. Uh, two, pulling from the people that I'm with. So literally asking without stressing them out, do you know where the lake is? You know, no one really knew. So, okay. Three, uh, let's overcome this, um, you know, by figuring out what do I have, what are my resources, and then using them and committing an action plan. Um, 
and then you have to relate it back to why is that important as a firefighter? Okay, these are important because as a fireman, I'm going to be in situations like this where I thought I knew the plan. I thought everything's changing constantly. Um, one of the jokes that an old engineer of mine used to say is that every incident is a series of mistakes that we're quickly correcting because you, you can't plan what's happening, mm-hmm. right? You go into a burning building, dude, none of that is expected. You know, you can train a million times, but this one's the million and one mm-hmm. every time. And so you're literally just correcting, adapting, figuring it out the whole time. So, you, you know, you relate it back to a fireman. So long story short, you know, you answer that question with the weird thing is you have to tell a story that makes you look badass, right? right. You have to come up with something really cool that's just going to toot your own horn. And like, I don't know a lot of people that really feel comfortable talking about how awesome they are. And it took me a while to like get over that to be like, look, you're not, it's not like cocky or conceited to come up with these stories. They are trying to get to know you and they want to hear those really cool, um, admiring moments, right? Mm -hmm. Those moments where you're like, man, I'm actually proud of myself and it's okay to feel proud of yourself, you know? Like, so you got to get in there and, uh, actually answer in that way. And so it was weird. So the whole testing process, what set me apart is I think I was constantly going after those core values. I was constantly going after lifestyle qualities and not quitting, mm-hmm. you know, staying straight edge, not getting a DUI, not drinking, you know, doing a lot of things that a lot of guys will fall privy to, unfortunately. And, uh, you just stay on it. Just keep the goal at hand. And the conversation then becomes not if you're going to get hired, it's just when, right. So you keep applying, you keep applying. I applied to, I think 21 departments. Oh, wow. Yeah. Actually got on with the number one that and I wanted. Did you only apply for one year or no. were, there constant, were there a ton of years where you did? It was a, just a constant process. Okay. So literally from 22 to 26, I was applying. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you finally got picked up when you were 26. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And okay. in the meantime, I was working other jobs, you know, mm-hmm. worked as an EMT I uh, did a sports marketing thing for a bit, did a medical device sales for a bit, you know, some really cool careers that I could, I was thinking of as my plan B that are amazing careers that are plan A's too. You know what I mean? I'm not going to downgrade those, but just in my goals, right. You know, these are amazing careers. I'm like, okay, let's at least expect this just in case. Like, what if I fall off a bike tomorrow and can never, you know, use my leg again? I'm obviously not going to be a firefighter, you know, so let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so just keeping life moving forward in the meantime while still trying at this goal and never quit. What's cool is I, I feel like what, when you think about things, you always have an intention. There's always Hopefully. intention. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's, it's very driven. Right. And, and what I'm trying to, I guess, pull out of you is like, what is that driver? Um, yeah. you know, when, when you were talking about going through the firefighting, uh, the questions and the interview, mm-hmm. you all, you, the intention was to always keep the, the six, uh, core values, the six core values yeah. in mind. Right. Yeah. Um, and then even while you were doing these other jobs, the intention was to have, to, to have great, to have a great job, mm-hmm. be the best you can in, in what you're doing. But keep in mind my goal is to be a firefighter mm-hmm. you know I, I think that's that's really cool and what, what do you think drives that for you uh <clears throat> always have intention um like just being here on purpose i think uh growing up and again this is this is the narrative that i was given was through the church but you know you can hear it a million different ways in a million different scenarios but 
I had some really good mentors and pastors there that um, I just remember one of the, one of the, I think year long mantras or, you know, quotes that they had everyone saying is like, we're all it. Mm -hmm. And what that meant is I'm here on purpose, dude. I didn't, I didn't wake up today and think it was a mistake. Like I woke up today and thought like, heck yeah, like, let's get after it. Let's be intentional about today. I mean, you can, there's a, there's an argument in psychology I've read a couple times that says, <laughs> and I forget if they say majority or if just a lot, but let's just say a lot and give everyone the benefit of the doubt that a lot of people can go through an entire life without ever being fully conscious. That's terrifying. And what they mean by that is if you're not actually causing intent, you're not actually purposely going through your day, purposely making decisions that are not symptomatic of circumstance, right? Like I walk out and car drives by, I stop. But if I intentionally like stop, think, okay, I don't want to get hit by that car, right? I'm actually putting my mind to action and then allowing it to navigate my day and putting more intent into like where I, I want to make the day go. That's consciousness. If I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna keep going and just do my, my thing and I'm gonna get in my car and then I'm gonna complain about traffic. And then I'm gonna, oh, I just stress out. Oh, I gotta go to work. I gotta be at my job. I got, you know, and you just like, Getting that, like, I never really thought for myself today. I just sat there and thought, like, oh, no. Like, I just got to get through the day. They're arguing that that perspective, and I'm kind of going off on a side tangent here, but that they're arguing that perspective, you're not even fully conscious. You're just a symptomatic creature. You're just acting off instinct. Like, you're just trying to preserve yourself. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know. I guess that thought, hearing that, like, terrified me young on. And... um and then being in, you know, under the mentorship of some really, really cool people um, talking about what intentionality actually does. Um, do we literally manifest our thoughts into reality? Like the thought, like, what does that mean? You know, like that we can actually, if we have intention, intention about something or anything, if we have intention about something, dude, we can make it happen. If we don't, it's not going to. So I think just hearing that over and over and over again, daily reminder like wake up with intent right mm -hmm. do what you need to do to have good intent so i think you bring up a great point because your intention was to become a firefighter that mm -hmm. wasn't a reality at one point yeah not even close but yeah. you just kept on thinking about it checked the boxes as you said mm -hmm. and now that is your reality yeah so here's my question when you were talking about the other person who mm -hmm. just wakes up, goes with the flow because that's the flow. Right. And can't break out of that. How would you, or what would you tell that person to get them out of what they're programmed in? So that other person, that's, that's all of us. Like, let's be honest. That's mm -hmm. any given day, right? You're either or. Um, but I, like, I'll go through a couple weeks where I feel like I'm in a funk and I realize, dude, I'm literally just like going with the flow and letting it push me around. Um... I mean, grounding, like for me, I have to get my mind right. I have to get my uh, mindset right. And it's, it's all about perspective, right? We, you don't have, we don't have control about what happens to the outside world. You don't have control about what happens to you. Mm -hmm. You don't even have control about the emotion that stirs up inside of you. The only thing you have control over is how you react to it. Mm -hmm. So if I stub my toe, man, that hurts. And the emotion in me is going to be like angry and also painful. 
but now do I want to go around and punch a hole in the wall and cuss up a storm <laughs> or do I want to sit there and just like do the, girl? you know, it's like, that's my choice Yep. and I can choose in that moment or do I want to laugh about it and like be like, everyone that just saw that has also been through this pain. Like, Ow, dude, yeah. you, you know exactly what I'm going through. Whoa, let's let this pass. Right. Mm-hmm. We all have that perspective, like that shoot, that choice to have that perspective. And so for me, it's anytime I'm in that funk, it's, dude, you can literally take any moment, flip it on the head. Like, again, traffic, it's just a common thing here in LA, right? We're always driving and then caught in traffic and we're perpetually late creatures here for some reason. Like that is one of my flaws that I hate that I'm really trying to change. But, um, you just try to, we just try to pack too much in and then forget that it's going to take an extra hour to get there. Mm-hmm. And so instead of being all stressed out and rushing and angry at traffic and someone cuts you off, you're like, duh, like, just remember, dude, you have the privilege of driving. You have the privilege of getting there. And that person that cuts you off, dude, you have no idea what day they're going through. Like they like might be rushing to go help their brother who's a diabetic and needs his insulin mm-hmm. and you're going to flick him off. Like, come on, let him go. Right. right. <laughs> like, you yeah. literally have no idea. And it starts to change the perspective of like, Oh my gosh, like look at all these people, man. We're all trying to do this together. We're all trying to get through life together. Like, okay, let me flip the traffic perspective on its head. Like, I'm actually like congregating with a ton of people. We're all going to like do really cool stuff today. Like, this yeah. is kind of sweet. And like, um, I think one of the coolest things that I heard lately is like stay perpetually curious. Mm-hmm. Can you be angry if you're curious? Can you be stressed out if you're curious? Like, no. Like, if you're, when you're traveling, why is traveling so fun? curiosity you're the whole time you're curious yeah. dude you're literally like you go to a foreign town you're like whoa this wall yeah cool like oh dude they do their ceilings you're different it's like are you noticing that back at home because you're just stuck in your flow like subconsciously not even thinking you know it's like no yeah right, right. <laughs> yeah so to like get back on like track and try to figure out like how do we centralize our minds and stuff like that for me uh prayer meditation right um, I feel like that for me takes the thought process of the cobwebs in the mind mm-hmm. and aligns them. That's just me. It gets rid of the fluff, all the weird stressors of the day and night that I may have dealt with. And then uh, set intention. So I do that by creating things that I know I'm grateful for um, or reminding myself that I'm grateful for and then setting an intention of the day. Like today I would love to, you know, uh, go a little harder in my workout. Mm-hmm. It could be that simple or man today, everyone that I run into, I want to smile at, you know what I mean? Just set an intention. Cool. That has now elevated you from being subconscious. Yep. Now, are you familiar with Mel Robbins? No, I know the name. Rem- so remind me. She, she is uh, a national speaker, international speaker, talks to everybody. And she came up with what's called the five second rule where yeah. If you count backwards from five seconds, it actually takes your mind, uh, since it's not something we, we always do and counting backwards isn't something we always do. We literally have to think to do it mm-hmm. and it disrupts, uh, our, our process in, uh, both physically and, uh, mentally. Yeah. And you can like stop and literally think about what you're doing. I do uh, at a biological sense, literally yeah. anatomically. Mm-hmm. Um, so your first, I think it's you, like you go into the primal state where you're reacting to something and it takes five seconds for that thought to literally travel into your logical side of the brain. Yeah. And that's what you're literally pushing it down over mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. And you can like disrupt whatever that is that you're thinking about and be like, whoa, okay, let me really think about that. Yeah. 
Um, so she, what, when, with what you were just talking about, um, she, uh, always talks about like deliberate practice. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do with intention, right? When you're deliberately trying to practice or get better at something, you're always trying to get better at that thing. There's so much focus in it. So, mm -hmm. you know, if your intention is just to get better at working out, right? Just to get better at do or do a, a harder workout today. Mm -hmm. If you're focusing on that, you're taking your mind off of all of the stuff that doesn't matter and putting it on to the thing that does matter. Yeah. And it's like when when you're not focused on Instagram or uh, something like your coworker said or something that your your you know your significant other might have said that might normally uh, tick you off, mm -hmm. and you're you're focused and you're grounded, you can have a way better day. It mm -hmm. just gets you going, and then you know it's it's like dominoes from there, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I listened to I listened to her I think yesterday, so that's why I was like, oh, boom, fresh on the brain, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, now, you also brought up mentors, right? And every podcast that I have, I always ask my guests, you know, mm -hmm. who are your mentors or people that you recommend that, uh, you know, the audience listen to? Hmm. And then maybe what are some of your biggest mentor moments that, that you either gave to someone mm -hmm. or that you got from somebody? Right on. Uh, number one mentor is my dad. You can't really listen to him, but, you know. I have a red dad. I got to give him praise every time I can. <laughs> um, guys through, been through hell and back and literally comes out with a smile on his face every time. It's wow. some of the coolest stories. I can literally talk for, oh, man. Yeah, guys are rock. But um, podcast worthy. Um, top of my list for fitness, health, and, and wellness is uh, Ben Greenfield is like literally tip of the spear with all that stuff, man. That guy... And if you have any science background or have any like vernacular in understanding that, you will get it, and it'll be awesome. And you'll be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like we could literally biohack forever. Um, and to biohacking, the guy that invented the word, the bulletproof coffee guy, right? Bulletproof. Well, I'm forgetting his name, but the bulletproof podcast. That's yeah. another one. Um, and then Lewis Howes, School of Greatness. Mm -hmm. That guy is all about perspective. Um, Tony Robbins. He's got a great podcast, obviously. That, that's actually really, really I'm looking forward to in March. I'm going to try to make uh, his first seminar of, that I've ever gone to of his. I feel like you're going to March? I'm going in March. Oh, heck yeah, dude. dude. All right, we're doing it. Yeah. Um, I just I feel like not going to see Tony Robbins would be like not going to see Michael Jordan while you had the chance to see him play. Yeah. You're like, there's something magical happening here. I don't care what people want to call it, but <laughs> a lot of positive – amazing things are coming out of it. I gotta go check it out. <laughs> you know, it's one of the, so I went to his seminar last year Yeah, and it's the first time I've ever been to anything, Tony Robbins. And it blew me away. I yeah. was like, I came out of that just ready to, you know, own the world. As and you should it, dude. It, and that's awesome. <laughs> it changed, it changed my perspective on things, things yeah. that I were doing. Um, man, it, it is incredible. And the, the, the atmosphere that is created with all the people around you who are also on like the same level and thinking mm -hmm. the same, it is so amazing. Dude, I, you just dude. touched on something huge there. Yeah. The power of joint consciousness. Yep. It is one of the most human, like most powerful human forces we have. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think it is, but we can argue, we can, I can argue for days about that. But well, like energy is a real thing, right? 
Very. Energy yeah. is a, a very real thing. And, and at our smallest level, we're molecules. Yeah. We're billions and billions of molecules put together that, and energy flows. It's literally so, proven. E equals MC squared. That's the, con- that's the correlation between energy and matter. Yeah. Like they are the same. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So if you get into a space where there's negative energy, well, that negative energy is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And that can uh, that can flow just like positive energy. Mm-hmm. So if you get into a space where there's a lot of positive energy, and not to like make this like mushy, but if you get into a place where there's a lot of positive energy, dude, where it's fucking amazing. Oh, it is. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's another like great group called Daybreaker. I don't know if you've heard of the group, but they're they're these uh, club dance parties that yes. are set at like five or six yes. in the morning. And I actually, I got to talk to the founder. Yeah. Um, and it's so cool. She, uh, her name's Rada. She, um, she was so tired of going to clubs and having the, the uh, feeling that she has to drink to be at the club, mm-hmm. or you know, she has to get hit on by like disgusting guys, or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm gonna create another uh, a space where you can come, you can be at the club, but there's no intention on having to sip alcohol. You just get mm-hmm. to like. Uh, be around real, a ton of positive energy and just dance your ass off and like be <laughs> at the club. But yeah. it's going to be at five in the morning. Yep. It's going to be at six in the morning and we're just going to get this, this party going. Yeah. And she's created it and it is incredible. Now it's this worldwide, um, you know, phenomenon. It's in every country. That's and, awesome. Uh, it, it's super cool. And that is just a, an example, pure example of how energy works. Mm-hmm. Right. Starting yeah. the day with intention too. Yeah, let's freaking dance it into existence. Like, let's fucking let's go. go. Yeah, you know why not? Man, yeah. uh, this this gets me excited because I I I've been I like going to at least one or two conferences a year mm-hmm. that uh, that help me work on personal development. And I've been to some where I really questioned it. I was like, this is a little weird. It's almost cultish, dude. That's one of the biggest keys for making me decide stuff. Yeah. Okay. So. so Real quick, I don't mean to interrupt, but, like, that is so key on, like, me making decisions in my life. Mm -hmm. So, that back to that Russia trip I was talking about, I was like, man, this is going to be weird. We're going to be, like, like, it was that same, like, weird feeling, right? You're like, nah, like, feels kind of, that's stupid, that's lame, whatever. You know, whatever word you want to come up with. Then doing that and seeing how positively it impacted me and those around, I'm like, anytime I have that feeling, that means I have to go. You have Mm -hmm. to jump in the uncomfortable. Like, you look at those conversations, like, no, that's cool, that's weird, that's stupid, that's lame. Oh, God, that means I gotta go. Because, yep, yep, <laughs> like, yep. dude, that that reaction that it's creating is testing your, like, current state of mind. That's why. It's making you uncomfortable, and your your primal, like, amygdala is trying to figure out ways to say no, because, like, no, dude, it's going to disrupt me. Yeah, and, and the human body and what you're able to put yourself through yeah. is amazing. Oh, yeah. You can oh, yeah. you can get yourself out of anything that you want to get out of, and you can put yourself in and go deep and mm-hmm. as deep as you want into anything that you want. But you just have to get through it, and your body, mm-hmm. your physical body, will get you there, and your mental your mental uh, fortitude, if you grow that, can get you anywhere you want to go as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, back to these uh, these seminars that I like going to. Um, yeah, I've been to a couple where I I used my brain and I trusted myself and I was like, you know what, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. But then 
I've gone to some, and Tony Robbins is one of them, where I was just like, this is the real deal. Mm-hmm. This isn't bullshit. This stuff actually works. And, you know, I, I can't speak well enough about hmm. Tony Robbins and, and his seminars. I think it's something that everyone should go to. And uh, I, I took so much away for, from it, which mm-hmm. is why I'm going again. And I'm, my girlfriend's coming with me this time, and I'm pumped. Pumped nice. about it. Heck yeah. 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 So nice yeah yeah like it's it i whenever i talk about these things i don't want it to sound um i i always have the toughest time coming up with a word for this but like cheesy Mm -hmm. you know and and very goody two shoes Mm -hmm. because that's that's not what it is it's not motivation it it works on Mm self-belief Um, one of my favorite guys that I've actually talked to, his name's Adam Schaefer. He's, uh, he's a host for mind pump. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we had a, a conversation and he, he says flat out, he's like, motivation is absolute bullshit. It doesn't last. Yeah. But what does is self-belief yeah. and these, the unleash the power within for Tony Robbins, he gets you on another level in your self-belief. That's awesome. And the things that, that anyone can accomplish from that, I mean, it's extraordinary. And that's the goal, right? That's totally. the point. Yeah. I call it going to going to things like that. This is why in numbers things can be so powerful. I call it the concert phenomenon. You can like a band or you know, they're one of your favorites, but dude, if you go to that show and you're with everyone, like all, whatever, 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 people all cheering and revving on that same music. Mm-hmm. Dude, how elacious is it? Yeah. Every time. Like, every time. You could, like, only kind of even like the band. But, like, there, together, everyone, you're like, wow. And you walk out <laughs> of that. And, like, then every time you listen to that song afterwards, you're like, oh, it's so good. Like, what happened? Like, Why? Mm-hmm. What like what what in the world went on? Like nothing was different. Like they actually may or may not have been like playing it well, right? Like you know, actually kind of might have sound like you no know, crap. Like but everyone's there with the energy connected. You join that consciousness, and everyone's there for the same purpose. You want to have a good time jamming to that music. Mm-hmm. So you take that concert phenomenon and then go to something where the intent is not just vibing on music, but like creating paramount self belief. Dude, I can't. I can only imagine what you walked out with. See, dude, now you're even pushing it without. Oh, without dude, that's why I'm there on, yet. That's why I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, that was I've been to a lot of things like that where, like, you realize the power in this is in the numbers. Yeah. Like, don't see that as a negative. The whole cult like word gets thrown out way too much. First off, that takes doesn't it? Or it be cult and needs you need to have like a pragmatic leader that creates like self endeavors for people to like worship him right isn't it? like mm-hmm. that's like tony robbins does not do that at all right the biggest He's, thing about tony robbins is that he doesn't ask you for anything exactly yeah he, he says you know i have other things that you can come to yeah but then he doesn't ask you like hey i, I don't care what you do honestly mm-hmm. just keep on working on yourself like yeah. come to my stuff that'd be great but yeah. like i'm not gonna force you to there's other places that i've been to, there's other seminars where they're like they're like you you can't say no you can't say no. Like, right. You can only say yes to this. And I'm like, that's so dumb. Yeah. You know? That, that, yeah. And then at that point, you're like, that feels pragmatic. Uh, very, I don't very. <laughs> you know? But that, yeah. just to your point, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, dude, very excited, man. That'll be, yeah. Be rad. But, like, you know, you were talking about your father being one of your biggest mentors, mm-hmm. um, your pastor. 
is there anyone like you're, you're, is there anyone that you work with or, mm-hmm. or someone that you even talk to now that is always like, you know, that's your go-to for, you know, talking things out? Yeah. Well, uh, dating a rad woman, she's amazing. So we definitely drive on great perspective there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first one that came to mind. Um, I, I, yeah, I have a few buddies, a few friends for sure. Uh, a few co dude, I got a lot now that I think about it. Whoa. <laughs> That's one of the one of the uh, words of advice I was given young too, and this might be why I instinctively pursue it now is like always have people you're looking up to, and then always have people that you can mentor, and that way you create that flow. Yeah. And right, we're we're flowing creatures. We should never be stagnant. Like stagnant means death. Um, and man, I, actually, there's another cool metaphor I'm gonna go off. I'll tell it real quick. The yeah. death, the Dead Sea versus the Red Sea. Are you familiar with the two? Um, yeah, I've been Middle both. East. Oh, you have. Yep. Okay, so you can attest to this. The Dead Sea has how many rivers flowing into it? I don't know, but it's mm-hmm. a few, right? Yeah. The key component, though, is it has zero that it feeds. So mm-hmm. it's just a tick, tick, tick. It's mm-hmm. getting all the water, all the nutrients, everything, right? Me, me, me. Bring it in. Bring it in. It's called the Dead Sea, homie. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's nothing living there except some weird, like, like a bacteria or something like floats underneath, right? It's yeah. like there is nothing living there, which is weird because it's got everything it needs, right? Yeah. Then you take the Red Sea, mm-hmm. and it has more rivers that it's pumping into. Are we good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. taking these levels. It has more rivers that it's pumping into, bodies of water that it's pumping into, than it's receiving. Right. So it's giving more than it's receiving, and it is, like, one of the most beautiful, like, destinations in the world. It's the most, one of the most, like, lively. It's, like, for scuba diving, isn't, like, one or two, like, to the Great Barrier Reef? Like yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Right? Um, yeah. So, for that metaphor. Anyways, so mentors. Um, guys that I look up to, um, you know, both my parents. Or gals. Yeah, or gals. yeah, I, I just immediately thought of that, like... I got to praise both my parents. My, I call my mom Mighty Mouse just because she's <laughs> a little ball of love that freaking there's nothing stopping that woman. It's so rad. Um, talk about being happy no matter the circumstance. Um, anyways, all right. Praise my parents. I'll get off that pedestal because I can do that for hours. But um, yeah. Uh, okay. So there's a captain um, that when I had first gotten on, uh, I always remember this. He knows his job super well. He's very well respected. Um, he's like one of the highest in training. He like, you know, people go to him for answers, essentially. Mm-hmm. He also has one of the coolest, chillest demeanors. Like, hey, man, it's going to be a good day. I didn't go right. We'll figure it out. You know, it's like nothing's a big deal. Mm-hmm. He also has a very healthy marriage, which is tough to find these days, right? Yeah. And he also has a very rad family life, which is tough to find these days so i'm looking at this guy like man he's doing well on like all these platforms like he loves to travel he loves it like he loves his job you know it's just, it's just like so i catch him in the office one day i was like cap i gotta ask you know like well, what's your secret you know i noticed this and i kind of want to like you know emulate i'm gonna be totally honest like you know crazy man like I would, I would love to emulate and he goes you know travis my last name he's like travis the day I started really enjoying this job was the day I stopped giving a shit. 
I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> and he goes, well, think about it, man. Like, you're going to care about what matters. It's in us. It's instinctive. You're mm-hmm. going to care about the things that need attention. Just let the rest go. Like, don't care about what this person or what that or this broke or what. Like, pff, really? You're going to let that affect your day? No, you're not. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. Okay. Wow. Yeah, because we can get so caught up with the small stuff. And we've all heard that a billion trillion times. But that was just a really cool way for me to hear it. Um, can I can I interject with a story that I have? Yeah. Well? So yeah. at a young age, um, I met Steve Harvey. And besides the whole, like, uh, whatever he did with the uh, Miss America thing, mm-hmm. he's actually, like, a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. And when I when I spoke with him... Um, he's like, let me tell you something, son. First of all, there's two things that matter in this world. Number one, don't let the little, don't let the little things bother you. Mm -hmm. Number two, everything's a little thing. (laughs) I was like, whoa, respect, Steve, (laughs) you know, and then like you go and find, you know, you look into his story and you know, he's, he's been through it all. He was Mm -hmm. living, you know, uh, I don't think he was living on the streets, but you know, he struggled for a really long time to where like, uh, another family like was like buying him bread so he could survive. And then, you know, he finally hit it big and now he paid that, that family who like bought him bread, he bought their new house, Hmm. you know, and like gave that back to them. So uh, he's super cool guy. Mm -hmm. And I've always just, I've always had that in the back of my mind. Like, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Everything's small. Yeah. Everything's small. That's awesome. So, um, you were going to say you were going to bring up another story, another guy. Yeah. Another buddy of mine. We've been texting recently too. Um, he is, I think I've told him that, you know, I look up to him a lot and, uh, as a peer, but also as like a mentor, uh, he's, I mean, he's older than me, so it obviously comes natural, but, um, this guy, he's been a firefighter. He retired from that. Um, he's climb Everest twice cause that's a thing. Um, he, him and a team tried to row across the, uh, the, what's the, oh my God, the Arctic ocean row across it. Yeah. Cause it's the only ocean that hasn't been rowed across. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> and the best, the best part is you, you ask him first off, you can't really get him talking about this stuff. Like any, and that, and I feel like that, that goes across the board with like people who do really, really cool stuff in this world. Like you got to ask. They're not just going to deliver it on a table, right? Yeah. Like, I know a handful of Navy SEALs, and um, none of them are going to tell you about it or how cool they are unless you really start prying. Mm-hmm. You know? It's the guys that brag that are kind of the ones that are like, all right. But, See? You got to yeah. start a podcast, and then yeah. everyone opens up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just start asking. People, you know, then then they'll share. But yeah. anyways, so he's total humble dude. Um, he's also tall, very strapping, you know, great shape, like, you know, total stud. Um, you know, total like humble mindset, you know, follower of like God and everything that like, you know, propels us in this world. And, um, he has a big perspective thing too, that I don't even know if he knows he does it, but anything where I'm like, Oh man, wow, that sounds really hard. It's like, nah, man, it's easy. You could do it. <laughs> like anything like climbing Everest. He's like, yeah, you know, it's, dude, it's actually not that hard. And like you can, you can do it, you know? And he just says it about everything. And then you see, like, in his life, all the, like, paramount things that he's accomplished. You're like, yeah, no, he literally thinks it's easy. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I think I think that's a conscious choice by him because what easy and hard is perspective, right? Yep. You know, I could say, man, lifting this cup of coffee is hard, and then in my mind, I'm gonna validate it like that, and it's like, yeah, this is really hard, right? Yeah. You know, um, but I mean, he literally even has a story where, so you know, Everest, um, one of the unfortunate things, a lot of people pass there, a lot of people die, don't make it, um, and there's not resource to like, if dude, if you're down and out, like, no one's gonna save you. Yeah, that's what's like you are you're your own capsule. You can't give any because what you give, you just killed yourself with mm-hmm. is the thought, right? You you can only get up there with what you need to survive. And if I break my leg, I need to figure out how to get down because requiring help from others is going to possibly kill them. Right. Right. So, wow. Um, a lot of people just get left or can't, you know, try to make them themselves, you know, survive and they can't. So it's unfortunate, but then let's be honest, they knew what they were getting into. It's Everest. Um, oh boy, here's got a story where he's coming down after summiting and he runs into a guy who's oxygen regulator broke. So. Holy shit. Yeah. You're like in the dead zone and you're not breathing like clean air. And, uh, so like, how, what are you going to do, dude? Like you just don't have energy to go up or down. Right. You're stuck. So he's just sitting there and he's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't freaking know. He's trying to fix it. Yada, yada. But like, dude, you're literally looking at a dead man right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> so he hikes down to whatever the closest base camp is. I know there's a couple, um, you know, at different elevations. And he starts asking people, he's like, hey, who wants to come up with me? I'm going to grab some O2 tanks and uh, go get this guy. Everyone's like, you crazy, man? You don't do that here. No one said yes. So he decides out of his own pocket, pays two Sherpas. You know, they like hiking. Yeah. They'll do it. Hikes up, grabs this guy off the hill, gets his mill too, and hikes back down. Holy Like, who shit, does this? Man, that's amazing. <laughs> and he won't tell you about it either. Like, you got to, like, pry it out of him. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, like, sipping your beer. Like, hold on. I got to put this down, man. Hold on. What? <laughs> like, yeah, he just he just has stories like that all the time. And now he's uh, uh, a PA doing a physician assistant or DO, I forget. But he's he just opened a clinic um, for like uh, regenerative healthcare, regenerative healthcare, preventative healthcare. You know, stuff like um, stem cells and you know platelet therapy and yeah. you know, stuff to like that creates quality and longevity of life you know and i think in western medicine we're a little flawed it's great for trauma and chronic disease but besides that it's i think we rely on people getting sick before treating and there's a huge pushback now that eastern medicine focuses more on and that's like let's create and embody health before getting sick Mm -hmm. right so one's the the second half one's the first half and i think we're pushing more on the first half again like Hey, I don't want to get sick, so can we just start trying to figure out how to make that a thing? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, you're starting to see all those clinics and biohacks come up that are like, hey, let's not get to the emergency level. Yeah. On that point, what's great now are, you know, podcasts mm-hmm. and all this information that people are are really able to get for free. Yeah. And if you listen to like guys like Ben Greenfield, mm-hmm. uh, the guys at Mind Pump, or, uh, you know, there's so many people in the health, wellness, and fitness uh, area and, and, and podcasting yeah. where you can find these biohacks. And if yeah. anyone doesn't know what a biohack is, it's just something that you can do to really hack your, your system mm-hmm. to make you healthier. Turn it on, turn something on. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. uh, like cold showers. Yeah. You know, um, increases Sim- your metabolism, 
uh, gets everything firing in your body. Yep. And you, you can do that. That will help you fast more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, eat, drinking coffee. It's it's amazing. And, and the health benefits that come from doing little things like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, can prevent you from getting, quote unquote, sick. Yeah. And you might not know that if you're not listening to a podcast or finding this like free information, but it is mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. And, and it's, it's really great to be like living today because mm-hmm. we have that, inf- that info. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm creating a program based off of all that, uh, specifically for first responders. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's an app and should come out in, uh, either January or February, but man, hopefully soon. Yeah, totally based off of exactly what you're talking about. Like, um, quick little blurb about it. I mean, if you care, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, dude. So, um, <clears throat> one of the most disheartening things I heard in the past year or two is the number one killer of first responders is suicide. And that's alarming. Um, why is that happening? What is going on, right? It's not cancer, heart disease, fire, shot, whatever. Like, come on. Like, what's the issue here, dude? We all know at like national level now that mental health is a serious thing. And I'm in this lifestyle. How can we figure this out? And I started to see the trends of first responders, man. We are chronically fatigued. You like most of the guys you run into are literally between energy drinks or between coffees or not working out to try to keep their energy that day or or they just don't work much. That's how they stay healthy. But like, what's going on, man? Like, how come everyone's chronically fatigued. How come everyone's chronically stressed? How come like guys are getting to the point where they're offing themselves? Like what, you know, this is like this long, slow downhill degrade into like just a low quality life. And that shouldn't be the case. And it wasn't always the case. So what's going on? And I started looking at the science behind it and asking people in my line of work, one paying attention to what I'm doing lifestyle habit wise, but when I see someone who's not just surviving, but like vibrant, what are you doing? You know, what do you like, what's your, what, like, what's your thing? And I started to notice that they were all doing, whether or not they realize it, but certain biohacks and like to dive deeper into that. We're at a first responder lifestyle. We're subjected to so much stress. Now stress is stress, mental, spiritual, physical, the body reacts to it the same. Mm-hmm. It creates the same response. Whether you punch me in the chest or you call me curse words, I'm literally creating the same response at a cellular level. So everything right there, stress is stress. We can only take so much. Um, The normal human has a cyclical pattern where they wake up, go to work, come home, relax, go to bed. Okay? So they can rely on, for the most part, I'm not saying that you have to be a first responder to like realize this or fall into this, but if you're able to create that cycle of like healthy sleep, healthy eating, healthy patterns, your body instinctively and naturally goes into these mechanisms that you're up and you're down. Down meaning good, meaning relaxed, meaning reparative, meaning regenerative, meaning Mm -hmm. at a cellular level, you're actually getting to repair. You're creating new hormones that are creating new pathways that are creating new structures that are allowing your body to regenerate. If you don't have that cycle, you're bypassing those. So now you're just staying up. You're staying in the what's called the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous systems. And there's a polyvagal theory that even says that you stress the parasympathetic to the point where you're in that state of chronic exhaustion. Hmm. So 
you have stressed your nervous system and you're not allowing to chill. You're not allowing to rest, which means your cells are not metabolizing for function. They're doing it for storage, which means your cells aren't repairing. They're like, they're in constant state of battle and they're never getting to like hang out and hibernate. Right. Which is, we do, we need that on a daily basis. So at a cellular level, that's what's going on because of chronic stress and it sees its what its way out, you know, much like a bruise is the symptom of bleeding underneath. It sees its way out into mental health issues, into chronic fatigue, into guys that are stressed out and the guys that are relying on dip and, you know, chewing tobacco and drink every day that they're off. I remember there's a period I couldn't remember the last day, not that I was getting drunk, but I couldn't remember the last day that I was off work and I hadn't had a sip of alcohol. I wow. was like, dude, we're talking a year if i like real is i'm like oh my gosh like i used to only have alcohol in like a celebratory fashion like one or two and then occasionally you know you go let loose with your friends but like whoa dude i'm starting to rely on it you know it helps you de-stress helps you helps you chill but it doesn't maybe mentally it numbs it but at a cellular level you're still now fighting a new toxin and still stressed and so your body again because you just drank that night is still under battle and so what kind of biohacks can we create? We're not allowing our bodies to instinctively go into these processes, mm-hmm. to naturally go into these processes. So how do we do it? And that's what biohacking is allowing us to figure yeah. out. Take a cold shower to wake up, dude. Walk in some cold. On those days that you are so fatigued and tired, like, you know, that that feeling of, I just got back off of a long flight and I have jet lag and I'm like, dude, I literally can't see straight. I'm like numb. I'm so tired, but I have to be awake for the next eight hours. Yeah. So what's first thing we usually do is sip coffee, try to figure something out. Do take a cold shower, watch what happens. Yeah. It will elate you. You will literally be like, your nerves will start firing in a different pathway because it's literally triggering, triggering your sympathetic nervous system. Now, when it's time to rest and relax, breathe, take one of the things that we do, um, autonomically automatically right and do it consciously it's one of the few things that we can do that our bodies our body regulates on its own that we can then take control over is breathing Mm -hmm. by doing that breathe in a way that you would when you're relaxed you know you'll start hearing all these different patterns like four seven eight or the five four three two one breath uh, you know the five second count um Mm -hmm. you start to kick in your parasympathetic the healthy state yeah. And by doing that, you've now allowed your body to de-stress literally in a moment's time. You could do this. Uh, you know, I'm starting to tell guys and share it like, dude, if you do this between calls on your way back from the hospital, on your way back from that incident, on your way back from the car accident, breathe, dude, do a, I like doing box breathing four seconds in hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds, do that a couple times. And honestly, the first couple of rounds, you're like, wow, I can barely hold my breath for four seconds. It's like, yeah, because you're alert. Your body is under stress. Whether or not you realize it, you might have just been laughing about something, but dude, you're still under stress. Chill it out. Let your body go into rest and repair mode. And then when it's ready again, you can rev back up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so dude, I can talk about this forever. It's called Functional Hero, but dude, I'll, I'll let you know when it comes out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if there's a link that I can provide uh, to any of the listeners, definitely yeah. send that to me. Okay. And I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is like, do you, are you a fan of Wim Hof? Yes. It's part so, of the breathing techniques we're going to yeah. put in there. Yeah. Definitely, you know, giving him full credit. But like, yeah, 
totally like yeah. eye opener breathing from your diaphragm versus yes. breathing from your lungs mm-hmm. uh game changer yeah definitely a big game changer and that's something that like i'm always like trying to think about i mm-hmm. i haven't i haven't done it well enough to where it's subconsciously just i'm doing it yeah but it it changes everything i, I feel way more energetic mm-hmm. um and you know even when i when i focus on meditating and getting into the into my parasympath parasympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. um that's how I love starting off my day, just focusing on my breathing. And there's another guy that I follow a lot. His name's Tom Bilyeu, and he talks about his meditation, and he uses this thing called just breathe. He just keeps on thinking, just breathe, mm-hmm. just breathe. And I've tried that out, and I'm telling you, it is, it works. Yeah, the mindfulness effect of actually being there. Yeah, that diaphragm breathing. So you familiar with like where chemical exchange happens? N- not at, at that level, no. Okay, so like, right, you're... I mean, our base chemical that we're exchanging is O2 for CO2, right? Mm-hmm. You're breathing off CO2, the, the waste, the acid in our blood, right? Yeah. The toxin, and you're in, inhaling O2, obviously a ton of other chemicals, but that's the basis. O2 in, nitrogen, all that good stuff, CO2 out. Dude, that only happens at the base of your lungs. So the branches into the alveoli, right? Mm-hmm. You got your bronchi and your bronchioles into your alveoli. They're like these little sacs that connect with the blood cells at the tips right. of your lungs. That's the base. So if you're doing shallow breathing all the time, you're not doing a lot of airflow down here. So that's why you're not getting a lot of chemical exchange. So you're going to be have you're going to have like a very acidic environment in your system. You're like a very like toxic environment. But dude, you start breathing deep, you're allowing that airflow through the base of your lungs to really hit, mm-hmm. and you're actually allowing the chemical exchange. Like if if it's not touching that uh, that blood barrier at the very bottom of your lungs, mm-hmm. it's not happening. So you got to like move it, move the air. And that's wow. why you feel like so much better. Like you're literally cleaning your blood. Yeah. Like when you do that. And if no one knows about it, they're probably not doing it. No. Because it's just, it. it's not, I don't know. It, for me, that wasn't the way I was breathing, you know, yeah. or I grew up breathing. Yeah. You know, when you focus on breathing the right way, it does feel different. Yeah. And you don't do it instinctively either, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, in certain states you do, but like... Again, let's take it back to driving. Like when you're driving, 99% of the time you are not deep breathing. Mm-mm, you're not just at shallow all. breathing, and you like so. I will think like, oh, yeah, dude, like might as well. I'm stuck in the car for 20 minutes. Let's enjoy this. Let's put purpose to this, right? Intent, you know. Yeah, it is. Start breathing deep. Like, yeah, let's do some 20 minutes of good breath. Like, you know, and listen to a cool podcast song while I'm doing it. Like, whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. that reminder is is huge. Yeah, um, I want to bring up a uh, another thing. When I first met you, we we got into a conversation about books. Mm-hmm. And that's what really like like lit the light bulb. I was like, dude, I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know you you read a lot. So, mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite books and uh, books that you would recommend for the audience? Uh, most one of the more recent ones I've gone through a couple times now. Stealing Fire. Um, that one is a lot about what I've been talking about, like the joint consciousness, uh, the power of manifesting your thoughts, like what that actually means. Um. Uh, in my opinion, the scientific way of explaining that is, uh, um, oh my gosh, quantum physics, mm-hmm. where it talks about how we affect the cells around us and the energy around us, which thus means we're not symptomatic of the universe, like the universe is, we are the universe affecting it out, mm-hmm. um, which is also another big perspective change. Like, do you think we're physical creatures in this universe or do you think we're part of it? Oh, part of it. Yeah. We are what the universe is doing. 
Like we are the same energy flow that is like the flaming ball of fire we call the sun is also the same one that makes my heart beat. So like the more we realize we're connected and we're not just like in it, the dude, that's, that'll set your energy state flowing. Oh yeah. But, um, so stealing fire, that is a total perspective shift of like getting flow state essentially. Um, and talks about all the juggernauts of society that are part of what he's talking about. Um, which is always cool when you see people that are like are literally changing the world and then you see their lifestyle habits and how they all start to align. Yeah. Like, Whoa, hold on. All right. I got to drink that sauce. Yep. Yep. Like one of the, (laughs) one of the top things is meditation prayer. Mm -hmm. What are the top five things you do to create your success? Dude, talk to anyone from Seinfeld to uh, Elon Musk to Tom Brady. Dude, they meditate. They sit there, focus on breathing, get calm take five minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. Like we think we're too busy. Pretty sure Musk has got some stuff on his plate, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but whatever. So I think we can figure it out. Right. Yeah. Um, so stealing fire, uh, another really goody, um, alchemist is always a classic. Mm -hmm. Man, that one's fun. Yeah, dude, that's like a good airplane book too. Um, let's see a classic that uh, you know people have argued her political beliefs which argue way but Atlas Shrugged or um, uh, oh my gosh I'm forgetting the other one Atlas Shrugged or the okay but she's uh, Anne Rand she's got two really good books they're massive they're this thick you know um, why can't I think of Fountainhead I don't know why it just like blanked me. But anyways, her two main books, um, really cool way of taking ownership and intention over your own actions and effects in society. Um, and a very intellectual way of just breaking it down and how uh, we can fall privy to the blame game versus just being like, wait, did you make your sandwich? Then you don't get to eat your sandwich, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so having that perspective, um, taking ownership and realizing like no one's going to put one foot in front of the other except you. So, yeah. Um, that's what I took from it. But again, uh, different political views there. And then what's another one? Good book. Man, I got a ton right now, but what are you reading right now? Uh, reading Ben Greenfield's latest one. And then, I'm literally looking at the cover of the other and I can't remember. <laughs> Dude, I like I have this plaguing problem sometimes where I don't know if I've been to a bar or restaurant. Like someone will say, Oh, you ever been to yada yada? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. And they're like, You sure? And then we'll go there. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've been here like five times. <laughs> like, <laughs> like somehow just the sign on the door never stuck in my memory. Oh yeah, yada yada. There it is. Yeah, yeah love this place. <laughs> yeah, great fries. Let's go. <laughs> totally get that. And what's yeah. funny is like I I, I've asked this question before, obviously on the podcast, and um, a lot of times people are like, "Oh yeah, like uh, same thing." Like I have this book, but I don't remember the I, I forgot the name. I'm yeah. gonna start telling people ahead of time, like, "Hey, I'm gonna yeah. ask this question." It's you know, it's literally in my backpack. I have a backpack where I take to and from work, and it's mm-hmm. sitting there. I can see the cover, dude. It's driving me nuts. But one of the funny thing was one of my guests asked me. They're like, "Hey, what are your favorite books?" And I was like, "Ooh, ooh hold on, I, I." I got to think about that for yep. a second. Yeah. So totally understand. Totally understand where the mindset's at right now. Yeah. 
I do have a lot though. Man, like literally tons are whirling through my head. Um, you got to pick a genre that'll help. Okay. Like, you know? Um, so like if you're, if you're looking for development, self-development and or, or business, what are you going to read? Business, self-development from good to great. That was a good step. Good okay. start. Yeah. Good to great. That's a good one for, um, I like that. And you'll hear this in a lot of, uh, uh, CEO mindsets. It's, you want to create a company in an atmosphere, uh, that you're training your employees to be good enough to go start their own business, but you've created an atmosphere that they don't ever want to leave. You know, if you can create that, you're empowering others to go like, it's very cool. Um, you know, I think it's Harvard has this like mindset too. That's like, dude, we're not creating you to become an employee. We're, we're helping you create jobs. Like we're, we're teaching you how to empower others, not mm-hmm. fit in the, as a cog in the wheel. And, uh, I think a lot of that was promoted in good to great. Um, I'm pretty sure it's that book it talks about a couple companies where, you know, the founder, CEO or creator, or whatever was so head driven and awesome dude, maybe awesome female, maybe, but like, so head driven in the fact that like, this is my baby that they never trained anyone under them to be able to, if in turn take over, like maybe as fear of like, you know, an overthrow or something like that. I don't know. But like, they never train anyone to like literally be at my or better level. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that is a weakness. Like you need to train those below you in rank or whatever, not in you know person, but like below you in rank to be able to be you or be above you. And by doing that, you've now empowered and elevated your entire brand. Wow. And super cool. Yeah. And there was a couple of scenarios where like one guy, you know, had an illness and he beat it. But during the few months that he was off, you know, getting treatment, there was no one below him that could take up the rank. And so his company just went, it sucks. Right. You know, and it's just, it's like, holy cow. I never thought of it that way or yada, yada. But like by empowering those around you, you're not making yourself look smaller, dude. You are making yourself elevated as well. Wow. Yeah. Great message. Yeah. Great message. Yeah. And our ego gets in the way that way too much and Mm -hmm. says, hold on, if they're too strong, then I'm weak. No. Whoa. What? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, uh, Oh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, like relationally, like if you want to see the true strength and measure of a man, see the size of the smile of the woman sitting next to him. Wow. And I, yeah, I love that. Dude, that one just hits home, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And then I'm lucky, man. The girl I got is smile ear to ear. Whether that's me or not, I don't know. But yeah, she <laughs> smiles a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I mean, that's that's awesome. Seriously. Yeah. Um, the, the other, there's a, just like a couple more questions I want to ask really okay. quick. Um, in your line of work, mm-hmm. you put your life at risk to save other people's lives. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you when you hear that phrase? Um, what comes up? Thank God I'm part of a great team. Mm -hmm. literally uh, best what we do and uh yeah so there's that um and it's interesting it's it's innate in us and instilled in us like you you could be arguing with the guy one minute and during what we call what i call peacetime i got that from a captain in my rookie year it's peacetime when you're hanging out station chilling talking around the table then wartime is when it's the call is on and dude you watch people's transition immediately dude everything's gone. Everything's left, dude. It's task at hand. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know, like 
just because you and I are like at arms doesn't mean I'm not going to like make sure you are alive and thriving every moment of every day. So being part of that really good team, like brotherhood is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, brother and sisters, but brother, you know, brotherhood. Yeah. Um, but what that means to me, uh, I mean, it's a good reminder too, man, to be honest. I forget that that's what we're doing sometimes. Uh, literally in danger. And it, yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah, every single shift, there's a there's a time or moment where I could be severely injured or killed. And um, I think our training, obviously, is the way that it is. Uh, selection process is the way that it is. And our day-to-day regimen is the way that it is to make sure that it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're always fighting to be better, but uh, ever-changing society. But yeah, um, and yeah I, I don't know it's it's very moving because i guess it just it transcends any brick wall or you know shield that you have any between any other human like when when they call us um when anyone in society calls us that's possibly the worst day of their life and uh we get to jump into that moment um, numerous times throughout the day. I mean, literally the other day I ran 22 calls. Wow. So 22 times someone was having possibly the worst day of their life that day alone in just that town. So it's happening all around us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we get to dive into that moment and bring them out of it. Wow. So we get to pull you out of the muck, hopefully, and help get you on your way again. You know, it's like pulling a baby horse out of mud and you know like yeah, all right buddy <laughs> like, yeah. we got you start walking like go live that full life yeah um and i think sometimes we get stuck in that pattern and forget like you know people are still learning to walk after that um they're still getting back on their feet but they're able to yeah. and uh yeah that's... what what if it's not a person but you know a lot of here in california we have these crazy wildfires yeah and I know you've been in a few of those. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, dozens. Um, what's it like being in those? Uh, it's like a war zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, <clears throat> the initial action, um, it literally sounds like war sometimes. Not that I would know. It is, let's be honest, from video games and movies. But um, it sounds what I would imagine a battle scene to sound like because when fire and wind is coming down a hill, it's such a, like... Um, mother nature style fashion that you cannot comprehend until you've seen it. Uh, the noise it makes sounds like a jet engine or a freight train. Jeez. Yeah. It's like, it's like literally the wood and the trees and the, the homes or whatever. They're literally exploding and like just yelling. It's, it's crazy. Um, like the Wolsey fire last year. I'll tell an example of that. But there was a scenario where we're coming in and dude, that thing hit so wide, so fast that I, you literally could have thrown the whole state of California at it. It was going to do what it wanted to do. And some of the measures that we went through to save homes and get people out of there and save lives was, I mean, you definitely had God helping out. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to stand there right now while that goes, all right back there yeah. <laughs> like wow. we had any idea what's going on uh, but um yeah we're going into this canyon um i say canyon but that's just i'm 
taught to thought to think of these neighborhoods as topography because that's what it's based off of fuel wind topography meaning like the level of slope you know what the actual land looks like right yeah a chute canyon a chimney uh, like a regular canyon or the steep right so but it was just a it was just a neighborhood so we're going on this this street back in the neighborhood that has a lot of interface meaning homes up against the brush and you could see the billowing smoke coming up from behind the hill and it's nighttime but it's so bright that it looks like daytime because the smoke's above the fire and then the fire's lighting up the smoke so it literally you know creates that sunset effect and just like that brimstone like volcanic you know if you can think of that kind of yeah. coloring like it's all everything's red and black and then the lights on our uh, fire engines just illuminate everything too and uh you could just hear it and almost it's almost like the the air is pulsating as the fire is coming over and typically fire doesn't want to go downhill very fast mm-hmm. right it's called backing downhill uh fire when it when it's standing, right, it's up. And when it's laying on a hill, it's laying up. So why is it going to go that way, right? The heat, you know, it'll slowly matriculate down. It was burning downhill just as fast as it was burning uphill, which is, oh you don't God. see that much. And when you do, it's like Spidey Sense going off. It's, you know, we have these watch out situations, we call them. Um, and, you know, this starts to pull in a lot of those. And uh, it's, dude, it comes over and just starts... <laughs> We're like the freaking freight train coming in this canyon. We're in kind of like a bowl canyon. Mm-hmm. So it hits there, and then the wind's blowing it onto the other sides. And so now it's literally blowing downhill towards us. And this is, um, if you think of a bowl, that's the hottest place to be. So now we're all in the hottest place to be, which is the oh most dangerous gosh. place to be. And we have one road in, one road out, and we have like 10 fire engines in there. And so um, – we had enough open space where it wasn't going to create a fatal effect, but yeah, we had, there was enough like yardage between canyons to like, and we were still mitigating and, you know, everyone had their eyes open, you know, communicating like, should we be here? Should we not? Let's do what we can. And we were able to save all these homes and get the people out. And it hit so fast that, um, you know, there's tons of people still in their homes, whether or not they're taking it seriously or what, like, uh, one of my partners had to go in, on another neighborhood that this happened in, uh, fires billowing in, and uh, we were able to evacuate the whole neighborhood except this one house comes up. This girl comes over and is like, I can't get my brother to leave. And she's like, can you help me? And we're like, yeah, you know, one, first off, if you're asked to evacuate, evacuate. Dude, you're taking us away from mitigating the situation to now going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk to you any other moment of the day, but right now is not the time. And now we have to leave the front line because your lazy bum is sitting on a couch being stubborn, yeah. <laughs> right? And usually we are very nice and politically correct and very cordial with the public because, you know, you, you be respectful. Just, I mean, it's just common courtesy. But in this case, like this kid had been told like, you know, dozens of times when my partner walked in, dude, I swear you just treated him like a little brother who was just being ignorant. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so, get your off the couch now, like pulls him by and come on, get it. I was just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> right. He's out of here. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, if I have to come back here and help you out of here and some house burns and someone else dies because you're sitting on your couch playing video games, I'm going to be really pissed. And he's like, I think that like woke him up. Yeah. And he's like, oh. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, but anyways, so I'm diving into the story, but, um, yeah, these brush fires, man, they're, they're like, uh, they're like a war zone and you literally have 
rigs and strike teams. Strike teams are five engines and a battalion chief of firemen, four on each. So you have 20 guys coming as a team, as a unit, all over the place. Yeah. So it's like literally think of like mini battalions or whatever. You know, it's just like boom, boom, like hitting everything they can, communicating. You have your incident command system, which is like the branch system of like delegation so that we're able to communicate well and like follow the plan. I do our eyes in the sky. Like I don't have them. I'm there. I'm in that Canyon at that time. Like I see anything. Yeah. And I have no idea what the whole fire is doing. So I don't like, but you have this whole incident command system that lets you know, like, Hey, you cannot evacuate over here. Or Hey, the bridge over here that you relied on is about to burn. You need to go. There's no way I would know that, but because we have this awesome ICS incident command system set in place, you have people in place that are just driving around, figuring that out, communicating to you, making sure the right people get to know it. And so it's just constant adaptation, communication, change, adaptation, communication, change. All right. You're just moving nonstop. Mm. And I think we went like 60 hours without a break, which is retarded. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was. And then uh, the other thing too is I was freezing. You are drenched in sweat and water and you forget with an 80 mile an hour wind that's really cold, man. <laughs> Super cold. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I remember, like, holding a tool, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I went up to um, one of the structures that had burned, and one of the chimneys was still there, and I just, like, put my back on it, like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh <laughs> yeah. Just, like, warm up, and then, like, get back at it, and then, like, go back to it. And, like, you just see guys, like, around all these, like, essentially warming fires, like, while we're putting out spots. Like, okay, 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 all right. <laughs> like, get back at it. That's um, That sounds absolutely crazy to me. It's freezing cold while you're trying to put out a fire. Yeah. So you're working with in, 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 the extremes of elements, right? Like, yeah. Super cold very very hot you know yep. with this with the fire and then you have to keep your body warm that the the things that you have to go through uh in in your job or it's extraordinary the, what you have the way you get your body out of these conditions hmm. right like it, it is truly extraordinary and, and like from the bottom of my heart thank you i just want to acknowledge you for thanks man for what you do that is it's heroic yeah thank you yeah thank you very much yeah, I mean, just that's not the only fire that that you've been in, and I know there's there's probably tons of examples that you can give. But even just walking me and the audience through that, that is it's extraordinary, Thank really you. is. Thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. But um, you know, there's the 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 one other thing I want to ask you, um, when you're talking to someone who is either chasing their passion or trying to figure out what they want to do. Mm-hmm. What's the best piece of, of advice that you can give to that person? They're trying to figure out what they want to do or they know it and they're going for it. Um, let's do both. How do you help them find their extraordinary? Okay. Yeah. Great question. How do you help someone find their extraordinary? Um, I'll first start, let's, let's throw this away. And, uh, the line that everyone's told growing up is like, find your passion and go for it. You know, just do what you want. Do, do your goal, do your drive, do your love, dude, who knows what their passion is. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Let's ask the real question. How the hell are you supposed to figure that one out? And then you feel like you're without, because you can't like narrow in on something and you don't want to bring it up because well, so everyone else seems to have their passion and everyone like, Oh, they got their drive. Like I don't have mine. Is that weird? Am I less of a human? Cause like, dude, no, dude, no one knows. And 
trust me, people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, are, they don't know either. They're figuring it out day by day. So let's just put that on the table real quick. All right, mm-hmm. cool. No one really knows 100% what they're doing at all times every day. Um, picking a passion, just pick one. That's my advice. Pick one. Like it may not be, you could do, you could find a million reasons why, you know, I should probably do something else. Okay. What else? Well, just, just pick one. Um, you know, I felt privy to jack of all trades kind of mindset, which means you're sometimes the master of none and you get very, you know, I can get very distracted and be like, all right, I want to get good at this and good at that and good at that and good at that. But now I've become great at nothing. Like just pick one, put your attention there. It means you're going to have to sacrifice and say no to some things that you do want to go do. Um, but for me, one of the things I used to tell kids I would mentor all the time is, uh, again, believer in God, believer in you know a universe and a very powerful um, flow, energy state, whatever you want to call it. Like uh, there's, we live in a very spiritual, like energetic world and universe that has good and bad. And so, do what you can to root yourself with that. So there's two steps here. Do what you do what you can to root yourself in that. For me, it's prayer, meditation, and, uh, and you know how I walk. Um, but what is it to you that makes you connect with the most beautiful centerpiece of how you understand this existence? Now go do that. Do that immediately. Do that every day. Do that every morning. Like make it a daily habit to do whatever it is. Meditate, breathe. That's what literally everyone I can think of that accomplishes amazing things does. But Everyone has their own practice, so mm-hmm. do that. Okay, now that you did that, now that you made that part of your core, just go after everything you can like a freight train. The rest is going to figure itself out. Like, God cannot guide stagnant waters, but a raging river, yeah, he can point that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not connected with, you know, that spirit, I'm not being guided. So connect, ground yourself, and then just freaking bat out of hell, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Just go for it. Pick some and go. That's it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Sean, I want to thank you seriously from the bottom of my heart for coming here, sharing uh, everything that you did today. Um, how can people find you uh, or get in touch with you? Uh, I got, yeah, I got the e- IG and everything is my full name. So that makes it easy. Sean Percy Travis. S E A N P E R C Y T R A V I S. That's across the board um so instagram facebook all that good stuff and then functional hero if you guys want to start looking that up that'll start getting promoted very soon um with uh, i got two very good partners on that so there's three of us carter and Britt. thank you thank you um and yeah awesome man yeah well hey thanks a lot i uh i hope we can definitely do this again this was amazing at least from you know yeah uh, dude likewise the, the whole mindset perspective you have unbelievable stories unbelievable Thanks, stories dude. through through yours <laughs> or through others that have like told you their stories yeah you know um it this was awesome appreciate it thanks awesome, man. thanks a lot yeah thank you man you bet right on. sean what did you think about being on the finding extraordinary podcast today finding extraordinary um definitely an honor appreciate it uh it's a little interesting when someone says, hey, I do a podcast about extraordinary people and uh, you want to be one? <laughs> so uh, very humbly obliged, man. That was that was a cool uh, sentiment. Um, and then the questions being asked, uh, really diving into 
how often do we get to dive into our own life choices on a, uh, like share about it level, you know, and let's think deep. Let's think, uh, in almost in a critical manner of not being judgmental on your own side, but like actually sharing on like, Hey, this is, this is something cool. Hey, this is something fun. This is something I've learned. Um, I think diving into that, um, helps, you know, we all have extraordinary stories. So it helps us dig those out of our inside and <laughs> share them with others. So yeah, yeah, definitely appreciate it, man. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to my podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope I was able to provide some insight and some knowledge that will help you expand your mind and ultimately your life. Now, you've already done more than enough by listening to the podcast, but if you want to go above and beyond and really help me, you can subscribe to my podcast and rate it on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever your favorite streaming platform is for podcasts. This will ultimately help me grow, and that's what we're all about here. So I am really looking forward to the next time that I get to spend time with you on the podcast. And until then, stay extraordinary.